Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Uh, we're going to use the uh, first reading assigned to today. This is the uh, Friday of the uh, Friday after Ash Wednesday, first Friday in Lent, and uh, we are going to hear a powerful message from uh, the prophet Isaiah about fasting. Uh, yesterday, I was in Arizona. We had the Arizona March for Life. Really, a great event. Lots of great people uh, that I was able to see and march with and pray with. And we had a silent no more gathering. Uh, we had the people who uh, are part of the campaign and have had abortions. We had. Uh, both uh, moms and dads testifying and sharing their stories of pain, regret, and also hope and healing. And we'll be uh, showing that uh, on these streams in the coming days and giving it wide exposure. Uh, and, uh, oh, I see uh, Denise from uh, Arizona, and uh, sure we have some other Arizona friends uh, here with us uh, during the broadcast as well. So let's pray together, friends, for, uh, for a few moments. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we come before you today with great joy because you have given us life. You have given us the opportunity to defend life. You have given us your salvation through faith and baptism and the grace of your Spirit. You have given us your word, which again we delve into today as our spiritual bread. Uh, you have given us the sacraments. Uh, you have given us the pro-life cause, the greatest human rights cause of our time and of all time, because for all time, nothing is more fundamental than life. For all time, nothing is more essential for the enjoyment of any other goods or any other rights that you grant us than to have life itself. We do not advocate health care for dead people. We don't talk about education for those in the grave. We talk about these things for people who are alive with the understanding that their lives will be protected as a matter of first importance, not last, not secondary, not optional, but of first importance. And today, Lord, as we reflect on what your prophet says about fasting, we will recommit ourselves to defending the defenseless. Because he points out that if we are to turn to you for favor, you who save us, then we the saved must save. We who cry out for mercy must hear others' cries for mercy. We who turn to you for life must be life givers and life savers ourselves. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. I want to... Uh, not only read this reading from Isaiah, but also um, sing the responsorial psalm for today uh, and uh, have you pray it with me. So let's do the first reading of the psalm. Isaiah chapter 58 begins this way. Thus says the Lord God, cry out, full-throated and unsparingly. Lift up your voice like a trumpet blast. Tell my people their wickedness and the house of Jacob their sins. They seek me day after day and desire to know my ways like a nation that has done what is just and not abandoned the law of their God. They ask me to declare what is due to them, pleased to gain access to God. Why do we fast and you do not see it? Afflict ourselves and you take no note of it. Lo, on your fast day, 
you carry out your own pursuits and drive all your laborers. Yes, your fast ends in quarreling and fighting, striking with wicked claw. Would that today you might fast so as to make your voice heard on high. Is this the manner of fasting I wish, of keeping a day of penance, that a man bow his head like a reed and lie in sackcloth and ashes? Do you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? This rather is the fasting that I wish, releasing those bound unjustly, untying the thongs of the yoke, setting free the oppressed, breaking every yoke, sharing your bread with the hungry, sheltering the oppressed and the homeless, clothing the naked when you see them, and not turning your back on your own. Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your wound shall be quickly healed. Your vindication shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and He will say, Here I am. The words of our psalm, A heart contrite and humbled, O God, you will not spurn. A heart contrite and humbled, O God, you will not spurn. Have mercy on me, God, in your goodness. In the greatness of your compassion, wipe out my offense. Thoroughly wash me from my guilt, and of my sin cleanse me. A heart contrite and humbled, O God, you will not spurn. For I acknowledge my offense, and my sin is before me always. Against you only have I sinned. What is evil in your sight I have done. A heart contrite and humbled, O God, you will not spurn. For you are not pleased with sacrifices. Should I offer a burnt offering, you would not accept it. My sacrifice, O God, is a contrite spirit, a heart contrite and humbled, O God, you will not spurn. A heart contrite and humbled, O God, you will not spurn. Brothers and sisters, the prophet Isaiah in chapter 58 reminds us of what Jesus himself said when he initiated his ministry. What Jesus himself told us was the purpose of his coming. Let me go to Luke chapter 4 right away. In verse 16 it says, He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. He went to the synagogue as his custom was on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to do the reading. And there was given to him the book of the prophet Isaiah. He opened the book and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it to the attendant and sat down. All the eyes of those on the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today, 
this scripture passage has been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, that the Spirit of the Lord was upon Him that he was the apostle, which means the one who was sent. The father who sent me. He kept referring in his public ministry to the father sending him and him being the one sent by the father to do what? To let the oppressed go free. It would have been just as powerful, just as appropriate. It would have been the same message if he had quoted from Isaiah 58 that we just read. Because he says, God, through the prophet, this is the fasting I wish. In other words, this is the way that you please me. Christ Jesus came into the world so that we might be reconciled to God, so that we might please God. How? He tells us. Release those who are bound unjustly. Untie the thongs of the yoke. Set free the oppressed. We can't go to God and say, free me, Lord, from my sins. If we're not freeing others, how do we expect to receive from the Lord that liberation from sin and death and hell and then just close in on ourselves and not listen to the cries of others who are in need? This is such a powerful theme of Scripture the rich man in Lazarus, he didn't go to hell because he was rich. He went to hell because he ignored Lazarus. The good Samaritan, yeah, the priest and the Levite, they just went walking on by. They didn't want to stop to help the man who had fell, fallen in with the robbers. They weren't blind. They saw the man there. They weren't stupid. They knew he needed help. They were too concerned about their own well-being. It's disgusting. Because we see this happening in the church every single day. We see pastoral planning taking place with the goal of, 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 of not getting in trouble. We want to proclaim the gospel in a way that's just going to make everybody smile. What kind of a gospel is that? Does that have anything to do with what's in this book? Oh, we want to make, we, we, want to be, we want to be liked. We got to be popular. We got to be politically correct. We can't anger, upset, or divide anybody. That's not the goal we should be focused on. The goal we should be focused on is breaking every yoke and setting free the oppressed. And so Isaiah says, You're fasting. And then you're complaining that I'm not hearing you. You know, Isaiah, you go back to chapter 1 of this very same prophecy. And he says, speaking for God, when you lift up your hands in prayer, I will not listen. Why? He says in that chapter, because your hands are full of blood. Our hands are full of blood. We are living in a society, we are living in a nation that's still aborting close to a million children a year. Our hands are full of blood. 
Oh, but we're not doing it. We're permitting it. We're not doing enough to stop it. Our hands are full of blood. The unborn are the most oppressed. They're not the only people who are oppressed. We have to set free all the oppressed. We have to do everything we can to help those who are poor and afflicted and oppressed and discriminated against and persecuted. But the most persecuted of all, the most in danger of all, the most weak and helpless of all, are indeed these children in the womb. And so God says, focus on them. Not just on them for their sake, but on them for my sake. Not just on them because of your human relationship with them, but with them, uh, focus on them because of your relationship with me. Because you're crying out to me. You're fasting so that I might have favor on you. I want to have favor on you. I don't want to have favor on you in isolation, however. God doesn't, doesn't deal with us in isolation. He deals with us as a community. He deals with us individually, yes, but not in isolation. Individually, as part of the community, and as members of the community, we need to be loving the Lord and loving our neighbor together. The two are connected. Can't have one without the other. Can't love the God we do not see if we do not love the neighbor we can see. And that's why we are actively pro-life. Second letter of Paul to Timothy says this in chapter 3. He talks about the evils going on in our midst. And by the way, that part of that evil, uh, 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 again from this first reading that we did from Isaiah, he, he warns us not to turn our back on our own. That's an interesting verse, is it? Clothe the naked and do not turn your back on on your own. Think about that from the, in the context of abortion. Turning your back, not just on others in a general way, not just on your neighbor, but on your own. This is a sin, and this adds to the gravity of abortion, as John Paul II explains in Evangelium Vitae, because it's, it's bad enough that it's an act of violence that kills a baby, but it's killing your own baby. Do not turn your back on your own. One of the evils of our time, and, and Paul lists some others in 2 Timothy 3. He says, understand this, that in the last days there will come times of stress. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, inhuman. Let's pause there. Inhuman? Is there anything inhuman than turning your back on your own child? Inhuman. He goes on, implacable, slanderers, profligates, fierce, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding the form of religion but denying its power. Avoid such people. Holding the form of religion but denying its power. Fasting, putting on sackcloth and ashes. And saying, Lord, why do you not hear us when we fast? Because they're holding to the form of religion but denying its power. Putting up crucifixes on the wall, hanging rosaries from the dashboard, but driving into the abortion facility. Holding to the form of religion but denying its power. Putting on clerical vestments, getting into a pulpit and preaching nonsense. 
holding to the form of religion, but denying its power. You know, preachers who don't preach the full word of God, who don't challenge us about our sins, who don't ever mention abortion, who don't want to address human sexuality, or if they do, they want to just rewrite it according to their own ideas. They are expressing the form, holding to the form of religion, and denying its power. They deny its power very explicitly because they say, oh, well, the people don't want to hear that, or the more we preach about this, the less they're going to listen. They deny the power of the word that they've been given to preach. They deny its power to convince minds and hearts. They deny its power to change and transform. They deny its power. They think people are going to hear this and they'll just walk away. Oh, this is too hard for them to live. Many preachers are holding back on what they're preaching because they're thinking it's too hard for the people to live this out. Wow, if that's not a denial of power. The word that we preach gives us the power to observe it. That's the thing about the word of God. Like Isaiah 55 says, like the, the rain comes down and does not return empty. It nourishes the earth, makes it fruitful. So my word will be, well, it will come forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but accomplish the purpose for which I sent it. Just like it accomplished the purpose when in the beginning he said, let there be light. And there was light. And he accomplished the purpose when he raised Christ from the dead. And he accomplished the purpose when he says, I absolve you of your sins. And he accomplishes the purpose in the Eucharist when he says, this is my body. The word does what it says. It accomplishes what it signifies. So when we preach the Word of God in all its fullness, when we say to people, choose life, say yes to that life within you, no matter how difficult it is, that Word itself gives them the power to do what the Word is telling them to do. Those who hold the form of religion but deny its power think that the Word is just oppressive because it puts uh, uh, impossible burdens on us. As if God doesn't reach out his hand when he speaks from his mouth, he also reaches out his hand. And he lifts us up in the very same direction that the word is pointing. You know what another way is that people hold to the form of religion and deny its power? When you deny the transforming power of forgiveness. As I said yesterday, I was in Arizona, Arizona State March for Life. March 6th, I'll be at the California State March for Life. March 22nd, at the Connecticut State March for Life. And at these gatherings, just like we have at the National March for Life and at the West Coast Walk for Life, we have people who have had abortions and have become silent no more. What are they silent no more about? Not just that abortion is wrong. They're silent no more about the fact that God has transformed them. They don't deny the power of religion. They've experienced it. That they were able to get up and say, I killed my child. In some cases they say, I killed my children, plural. And now look, I am welcomed by the Lord. I am welcomed by the church. I am welcomed by the pro-life movement. Some of these men and women are pro-life leaders, but they had their child killed. How can that be? Are we tolerating child killing by letting them exercise leadership in our movement or have be, even be part of our movement or get up and speak and share their testimony? Are we somehow tolerating what they did? No. We're adhering to the power of religion. 
that actually renews us, actually regenerates us, actually makes us a new creation. Oh my goodness, don't deny the power. When you fast, realize you are, you are entering into something bigger than yourself. It's not just something that you're doing. When you receive the sacraments, when you have the liturgy, you enter into the liturgy, you're entering into it. You're not doing something simply. Because when we do something, if we're the primary agent, what we are doing is a product of ourselves. What we are making is a product of our work. This is something different. When we pray, when we fast, when we worship, when we enter into the liturgy, when we do any of the spiritual practices that we do for Lent or any other time of the year, we are entering into something way bigger than we are. Way more powerful than our human efforts can accomplish. Way, way bigger. Don't deny the power of religion. The rosary beads hanging from the dashboard as people drive into the abortion facility. I can tell you how many times I've seen that. Or Curtis Boyd, the late-term abortionist who, as you'll see on my social media, openly admits to having done third trimester abortions as part of his regular service. And then he says, oh, well, I like to be compassionate. I'm an ordained minister. I'm an ordained minister. And I'm killing babies in the third trimester of pregnancy. Oh, but I'm an ordained minister. I do this because of my faith. This is service. No, Boyd, you're deceived. You're doing evil. You're not doing service. You're killing people. You're not exercising compassion. You are holding to the form of religion but denying its power. You are saying, Lord, have mercy. Why do we fast but you do not see it? Because you're killing people. That's why. The answer is not hard, friends. The answer is not hard. We have got to start setting the oppressed free. That's the way we're going to fast because that's what God does to us, the purpose of Lent is to get ready to let Him set us free. During Lent, there are people preparing to be baptized at Easter. Well, what's that going to do to them? It's going to set them free from the kingdom of darkness. It's going to transfer them into the kingdom of light. We who are already baptized, because you can only be baptized once, just like you can only be ordained once, unless you're going up the line in holy orders, we are going to renew the vows of our baptism and we're going to celebrate the freedom that we have in the new life of Christ. If the Spirit of God is upon Jesus and He said, Therefore, I have come to set the oppressed free, well then let's realize finally here that the Spirit of God is upon us. Because who are we? We are the body of Christ. All of us individually, members of it. You are the body of Christ. So the Spirit of God that rests on Christ rests on you, and therefore the mission of God given to Christ to set the oppressed free falls on you, falls on us. Let the oppressed go free, and let them go free now. This is not something we can delay. This is not something we put off to tomorrow. There is an urgency to justice, to justice for the unborn, to justice for the oppressed, to justice for those who are, whose conscience is being violated because they're not being allowed to live out their religious convictions today. 
There's an urgency to this, brothers and sisters, that every day we have to nurture. Let Lent nurture it in you and in me as we continue this journey of freedom. Lord, we come to you today grateful for the mission. We are the body of Christ. And everything that Jesus says about the mission that He is given to carry out applies also to us. Applies to us because He has given us a share in that mission. We thank you, Lord, and we pray now for all the oppressed, starting with the unborn. Set them free. Let every law protect their right to life instead of protecting the act of killing them by abortion. Lord, we ask you, set us free from the ignorance and the darkness. Set free our public officials from the darkness of their mind that would, that would, that would justify abortion. Set free, Lord, those who are persecuted for living their faith, those who are persecuted for being too pro-life. In any profession, in the teaching profession, in, in, in public education, in, in media, in, in politics, and in the priesthood. Set free those who are being oppressed and persecuted and canceled because they're just too vigorous with the truth. It hurts too much. Set free, Lord God, those who are and have been objecting against unjust mandates from the government that would have them deny their faith. Set us free from the Democrat Party that considers religious freedom to be discrimination. Set us free. Get out of public office those who are oppressing us, distorting the history of our nation, ruining our borders, ruining our economy, ruining the, the security and safety of the world. Set us free. Set us free today. And may we be agents of that freedom by our informed and responsible voting. Set us free, Lord God. We pray for the needs of all those who are viewing now, whether it's health or discernment, decisions that need to be made, consolation in sorrow, or keeping their eyes on you in the midst of success. We join all our prayers together now and offer the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray to our Heavenly Mother, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Jesus, send us your blessing. You are the Savior. Your blood sets us free. Your death and resurrection transforms us. Send us your mercy. Send us your new life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us, friends. I see all your nice comments, and uh, always appreciate the... Uh, prayers and uh, even more so your active commitment to the pro-life cause. Nothing's more important. Nothing.
Let's stay committed. Let's stay connected. Make sure you're following me on social media uh, in the uh, FR Frank Pavone address on all the major platforms, FR Frank Pavone. And uh, stay tuned to our other programming today. You know, we always have the prayers at 3 o'clock, my, my Praying for America program at 8 o'clock. Tonight we have the news program at 9 o'clock. And uh, we'll be back live tomorrow and also Saturday for the, um, these uh, scriptural reflections. So spread the word in the meantime. That's one of the greatest ways that you can help us is uh, let, our, uh, let, let those that you're connected with on social media know about our broadcast. The more you comment, the more you share, the more you're subscribed. All of that helps us and these various platforms to grow. So thanks for doing that. God bless you. Talk to you. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.